Okay, so episode 20 of From the Shed End podcast. Um, episode 20, well, we've, we've done 20 episodes already. Um, myself, T-Dart and Theo, as always. So how are you doing, Theo? I'm good, thanks. Uh, pretty dramatic and eventful night for Chelsea in a good way, though. So um, with the, yeah. the draw that just happened a couple hours ago. But um, but yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been a it's been an event for a few well, a couple of days to be honest. Uh, I feel like we haven't well, we haven't actually we haven't recorded since um, before the Arsenal game. So there's a lot to talk about tonight. Um, so first and foremost, obviously, if we have our Twitter handle at the bottom and Instagram as well. So if you're you're listening on Apple Music or Spotify and you're not watching live, um, you can follow us on Twitter at, at follow us on Twitter at from the shed end and also on Instagram at from the shed end with an underscore between each of the words on Instagram as well. Uh, like and subscribe on YouTube as well. Same name from the shed end. Just give us a search and you should be able to find us on there. Um, but let's let's start from last weekend, uh, an eventful time at the Emirates Stadium, Lukaku's return. Give us your thoughts, Theo. What do you think? <laughs> It was brilliant. I don't think I've watched uh, such a dominant number nine, um, a number nine strikers game for Chelsea since probably the Diego Costa era, potentially. It was exactly what we wanted from our number nine. He was dominant. He bullied defenders. He had Pablo Mari, you know, lying on the floor a few times. And it was the perfect player to play against that Arsenal back line. They were so, so narrow, the back four, particularly Tierney, who's probably their best player. He kept so close to the centre-backs, which allowed our full-backs, Alonso and Rhys James, who I thought as well were the stars of the show. You know, they gave them acres of space on either side. And then it just allowed, you know, players like Havertz, Mount, Lukaku to just trickle through those um, centre-backs. And that's how we scored that first goal. And in fact, the second one, in, in a way. So, um, and Lukaku was brilliant. Honestly, he couldn't have, couldn't have had a better debut. Could have maybe had a few more, if anything. Yeah. I think he had um, eight, eight attempts on, on, target, on, on goal, I think. And in total, we had about 22. So um, it shows goes to show that, you know, we were maybe a bit unfortunate just to score two. Um, I just want to touch on that Bird Leno save as well. It was probably one of the best saves this season so far. Absolutely superb. But, um, but no, it's just Lukaku. It kind of reminded me of the almost prime Drogba, just the way how he could collect the ball with his back to goal and then, you know, turn and you, or even just, you know, slide through defenders. Like had you kind of, you know, covered up his face or, you know, replaced him with a dummy like a mannequin or something and asked me, who do you think this player is? I'd have probably said DDA Drogba, <laughs> honestly, because um, I just, I just remember a Drogba goal at Wembley against Spurs where he kind of collected the ball with his chest, you know, was back to goal. Then he turns and scores. And that's what Lukaku was doing most of the time there. He was collecting the ball, you know, with his back to goal and it was brilliant. And then um, I think Cavers had a good chance at the end. And again, we kept a clean sheet, which is really important. I think the only time they really threatened was that, um, um, Saka maybe deflected shots from Alonso which Mendy parried out but um, really good um, really good game we know that our record at the Emirates in the last couple of years hasn't been the best potentially I was a bit apprehensive in the previous episode I thought maybe Arsenal might nick a goal they might be a bit you know wanting to come back after the Brentford game but no 2-0 clean sheet we couldn't ask for more really so I'm really happy and obviously um, five goals two clean sheets in total six points from six so really good start to the season first time we've kept back-to-back clean sheets in our opening games since 2010-11 season when we won 6-0 to West Brom and 6-0 to Wigan. So it's a good omen, I feel. Yeah. And I think it was, um, you know, spot on. You know, I thought we, we um, going into the game, when you look at the two teams that were lined up and there were absentees for, for Arsenal. Um, but I remember Gary Neville, or I think, sorry, it was Jamie Carragher at the Brentford game for Arsenal. And he said that Brentford bullied Arsenal and it carried on they carried on into our game. You know, we dominated Arsenal from every department on that pitch. And, um, you know, you mentioned around um, Tierney um, being drawn in. He, he was almost a centre-back for the majority of the game, which allowed uh, Reese James all the space to, to do what he wanted. Um, and a part of that, I feel, was down to Lukaku because the fact that they had to come in, they, they didn't want Lukaku having the ball at his feet. He was the one that, they were just trying to close down, which then allowed that space for for Reece James as well. But um, just watching Lukaku, he, he's he's not, you know, I've said it before on here. You know, I've given him a lot of stick. Um, previous, obviously, when he wasn't at Chelsea, when he was at Man United, um, he's he's improved and he's an all round number nine now. And I think, which I expected, you know, as you get 
with anything, you know, as you do, you do more of something, you become better at it anyway. So, um, but the fact that he can receive the ball at his feet now, he's, 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 you know, he, he's setting play, you know, he set Havertz up, which he should have probably potentially scored from, but um, his link up plays brilliant. He can play off the back of, you know, like you mentioned, off the back of a defender as well. And just the sheer strength. I mean, Pablo Mari just, you know, he just couldn't cope. You could have put two centre-backs on Lukaku. He probably still would have scored his goal because he was just the speed of him, you know, for for a guy who carries that sort of strength and, and, and you know, upper body strength. The speed on him is is electrifying. And I think, um, you know, some some teams, that they're, they're going to struggle. They're going to have nightmares playing against him this season because he's he looks unstoppable. Um, but I was impressed overall. You know, I was impressed with the, the team overall. Um obviously the changes that Tuchel made, it, it worked, you know, and um, yeah, I was impressed for, for, for 90 minutes of that game. There was just nothing that I could see Arsenal were going to be able to do in that game, regardless if they didn't have Patrick Aubameyang or Lacazette, um, you know, Ben White, I, I still think we would have been able to comfortably want, win that game. And um, yeah, you know, I was impressed. I was impressed with the way we played from start to end. It was just a perfect game. You couldn't ask for anything more really. Yeah, I completely agree with everything you mentioned and the way you kind of said Lukaku draws in the defenders. It's almost like he's a magnet. You know, he kind of gets the ball and about three defenders come on him and then he just manages to get past or he manages to play another player. And also for his goal, people might say it's a tap-in, but at the same time, the way you said he got past Mary and also last season, those what kind of positions, you know, where we put the ball and it would just go right through the penalty box and no one would tap, tap it in, whether it was Abraham, Werner, Giroud. Batshuayi at times, you know, we wouldn't have that striker who'd get into that position to tap it in. So I think it's exactly what we need this season, just that number nine that can create chances, that can make runs, but that can also be in the right spot at the right time to, you know, score goals, which we'll need this season for sure. And um, yeah, I, I think that's probably the thing that Lukaku is able to do that with maybe a couple of days of training with that team and have that chemistry around those players is extremely impressive because it almost feels like given watching him play that game, he'd been playing with them for at least a season or two. So yeah. and that's probably only going to get better with the more games he plays for Chelsea this season. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was impressed, you know, brilliant win for us. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping, which we'll talk about later, you know, I'm hoping he can take that sort of form into uh, a very important game against Liverpool on Saturday, which, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll talk about that later. It's going to be a big one. Um, but let's move over and talk about some of the, the transfer news that's currently happening with, with Chelsea at the moment. Um, as we just before we came on on, on air, um, it looks like uh, Bakayoko is going to agree an extension uh, 2023, but also go on loan to AC Milan. So it looks like it's a done deal now. But the, what the big talking point all week really um, and seemed to really hit a nosedive yesterday was Kurt Zuma to West Ham for 25 million. Um, there was reports yesterday that the, the deal had broken down um, for whatever reason, but it now seems that the deal is back on and that now opens the door for Kunde to potentially move to Chelsea. So we'll start with Zuma. What was your thoughts on, on potentially losing Zuma? I think it's a real shame. He's been a great servant to, um, for us across the years. He, he went out on loan twice to Stoke and Everton, came back and kind of defied the loan system for us, you know, and proved that he's able to start games under Lampard in that first season. And, um, you know, I think he looked, he was really, really impressive in that Super Cup final. I think he, he started it and played really well. And pre-season, he looked very solid. And West Ham getting him for 25 million, I think is an absolute steal in this market, I feel a player of his quality going from one Premier League club to another. I think if his name was, you know, something English, he'd be going for at least <laughs> 60 or 70. So it's it's kind of ridiculous. And but at the same time, I think he's 26, 27, or maybe, maybe a bit younger, I'm not too sure. And Jules Kunde is 22, so maybe Tuchel's really planning for the future. And I have spoken to a lot of my um, French friends who, you know, follow the French national team and all the French players that kind of get called up to the team. And they have told me that Koundé is a lot better than Zuma and he's kind of, you know, going to be the starter, maybe alongside Varane at the next, um, at the next World Cup and uh, next, uh, next winter. So I think we are getting a player potentially for the next decade, whereas with Zuma, we were probably getting a, you know, a squad player for, you know, that can fill in the gaps for the odd league game. And we could kind of see it with Tuchel um, at the end of last season. He was really kind of, I think he, he had his back three in Christensen, uh, Silva and Rudiger and occasionally as Pelicueta would deputise as one of those three centre-backs. So I think it's a real shame to lose Zuma. You know, he came in under Mourinho in 2014, I think it was. Um, 
And he looked like, you know, we were getting a player that we'd have, you know, potentially to replace John Terry long-term. He looked through and he was very good on his debut. I think he, he made a debut against Bolton in the League Cup. And he scored on his debut. So it's a shame to be losing him. But then maybe as well, Chiloba's form and Chiloba's kind of emergence into the team has maybe even pushed him out of the door even more. So um, I am sad to see him go. It's a, it's a shame. But um, if we are planning for the future, and I do really trust Tuchel and his transfer kind of who he wants in the squad. So that tells me something else, you know, that it is the right move potentially. And I also think West Ham are getting an absolute steal with 25 billion. Yeah. And I, I mentioned, um, I was speaking offline to someone and I said, you know, echoed a lot of what you said, but I think as well, part of me thinks, you know, Zuma um, wasn't because he was meant to be part of the um, Kunde deal initially. He was meant to to go to Spain and part of me thinks he wants to stay in London um, he's obviously settled here. You know, he, he does potentially doesn't want to move, which is probably why the the Tottenham sort of thing was floating around before the West Ham. But he also probably wants to play first team football, and he's probably potentially not going to get that at Chelsea as well. Um, you know, I think it, I agree with you. It's a massive steal. You know, originally I think it was thirty million. So, you know, for twenty five million. West Ham again, a brilliant player. And to be honest, I think he brings a lot of experience to that West Ham squad. You know, he's played at the, you know, the highest parts of European football in terms of, you know, he's played in World Cups and everything. So, you know, he's, he's a player that I think will add a lot of value to, to a West Ham team that's going into Europe as well. Um, you know, in the season where they haven't really had European football for so long. So he's going to bring a lot, a, a lot of talent and wealth and experience um, to West Ham. I agree with you. You know, I think Kunde is definitely the better option, um, not just because of age-wise, but I think technical ability as well. I think, you know, Kunde could probably do the job that Zuma does, if not better as well. Um, and we've definitely got the the, um, the depth there in that that uh, position you know centre back is is not a position that we're really struggling for so I think you're right you know at, Zuma probably wants first team football there's a World Cup coming up in 18 months or just under um, you know he wants to try and force himself into that World Cup squad um, just as much as Kunde and Varane potentially will be the, the you know the starting centre back so I think for him it works you know he probably wants to do that move Um but it is sad to see because I think he hasn't really ever recovered from that injury that he, he sustained. Um, you know, he he really did well to get back and play the level that he has because not many players would honestly, you know, play consistently the way he has since he's come back from that injury. Um, and I think the loan the loan to Stoke and to Everton helped that a lot. I think you know they they were brilliant loans for him because it it allowed him to 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 play without the pressure, I suppose, of being at a club like Chelsea. Um, but it, I mean, if it, if it's a move that works for him, you know, I'm sad to see him go, but, um, you, you know, we, we, we've got rid of a lot of centre-backs and I wasn't surprised to see another one go before the window shut. And it's just unfortunate that it's zoom and it's not a loan deal, you know, it's a permanent. So, um, ideally I'd love it to have been alone, but then he comes back and he's in the same boat again. So, um, yeah, you know. Could it have been Rudiger? You know, Rudiger was out the picture for for a while whilst uh, Frank Lampard was there. So he's obviously done really well to get back into the fold um, under Tuchel. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a real shame. It is. Um, I think, as you, you mentioned, I think he does want to stay in London. He's got his wife and kids. I think in London, probably he's settled here. And also, one thing that Zuma brought to the team was, I think, he was a big presence in the dressing room. You all, you watch all the Chelsea unseen videos on YouTube, and you can see how much he gets along with the other Chelsea players, whether it's Rudiger, Ziyech, uh, whichever Mendy, whichever player. And um, I think, yeah, West Ham are definitely getting a steal. The one thing I am a bit cautious about with Kunde is his height for a centre back. He's one meter seventy eight, which is my height, and I don't particularly think I'm tall, you know. So. <laughs> So I'm um, a bit, but then if we're playing in a back three, you know, you look at Asby in that back three, he's not necessarily tall. I think I Googled it today. He's one meter 78 as well. Yeah. So maybe, you know, Premier League in a back three, you can get away with being one meter 78. But um, in a back two, I'd much rather have a Silva and a Rudiger or a Rudiger and an Asby than a Kunde. But, um, but yeah, I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of Sevilla. I think the games we played against Sevilla, particularly that second leg, where we beat them 4-0 in, um, in Spain. I don't think he played a pass, if I remember correctly. He might have been injured. or, But um, but we are getting a very exciting talent, um, similarly to when we brought Zuma into the team. Maybe Zuma was a bit younger at the time. But uh, I said we're getting a player for the next decade, which is what's really important. Yeah. 
and another another player that we've been linked with um, as well is um, Saul Neguez from uh, Atletico Madrid. Brilliant player. Do we need him? Is the question I'm going to ask you. I've been, I mentioned on a few previous episodes that if we do kind of, you know, have, a, I don't want to call it a panic buy, but one last kind of, you know, dip into the transfer market for a, for a player, it would be a centre mid. Um, you know, we've got Jorginho, Kovacic and, and Kante, should one or two of those players get injured. We mentioned the congested, you know, fixture list with the Club World Cup in December. We may need a fourth midfielder, but at the same time, I much I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, a Loftus cheek or a Mount play in that position from time to time if it means keeping the other three happy. And also, you know, still showing that we have a lot of faith in Billy Gilmore potentially returning from his loan from Norwich at the end of the, the season. But I I think it's it's talk of a loan with an option to buy, which is quite surprising because I think a year ago Salonegas was one of the best La Liga players, you know, the best player of um at Atletico Madrid, whereas now he's almost being pushed out of the door. I think there was some kind of spat with Simeone or something like that. Yeah. But um, but it could work a bit like Kovacic. You know, we took him on loan, then we bought him permanently, and then he was our player of the season um, uh, last last year, it was, I think. No, yeah, two, yeah. two seasons ago, sorry. Yeah, before. Yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the Lampard. So, um, so it could work like that. And again, I trust Tuchel, the players he wants to play, the squad he wants to build. So I think it could be a very, very, you know, almost uh, an underrated transfer, especially if it's a loan. And then, you know, we, if he impresses and we want to buy him and if Atletico Madrid don't want him anymore, then we could maybe get him for a, you know, cut price or something. So I think it could be a good move, but at the same time, if we miss out on it, I'm not going to be particularly, you know, upset. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of a win. I don't win, win either way, I suppose. Yeah. And Strip Bear mentions there about, you know, Chalabar being able to play uh, central defensive yeah. midfield as well, which is which is a really good sh- shout because um, he played there at Lorient in, in Ligue 1. He was he was yeah. the CDM there, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a really good shout. Um, I do feel, and I think it's a mandatory fee. I don't think it's an option to buy. I think it's a mandatory. Okay. So, which makes me which makes me very nervous because if he if he doesn't perform to the expectations that we're expecting from him, you know, it's a mandatory fee. So I'm hoping Marina can can. Uh, <laughs> Can, can do a magic and get that to an option to buy because I agree it's a loan. I think the loan deal makes sense. Um, one of the factors that I suppose we haven't really mentioned is the fact that um, potentially we could suffer a massive COVID outbreak in, in the team. Um, you know, and if that does happen or we lose a Jorginho or a Kante or both, you know, who do you put in there? So I, I kind of understand the rationale behind that and maybe overcomplicated over complimenting sorry a, a, an area of the, the team um because of covid you know we've seen it with arsenal at the weekend you know they lost i think three players in ben white um abamyang um lacazette i think the week before sorry that we played them they'd lost three of their main players so i, I do understand it from that sort of point of view but as we've mentioned we've got chalaba um we shouldn't really have sent billy gilmore if that's the case yeah. as well Connor Gallagher as well is another player. We, we haven't we haven't mentioned him yet, but also Tino Andrin potentially, who's yep. a centre midfielder. I think there's yep. talks of him going to Lokomotiv Moscow in in Russia. But he's another player who can play CM. He played a few games for us last season and did a very good job. So um, whether it's he's kind of you know plays the odd role this season or gets sent out on loan, he's another player that could play a part. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. I'm sure before the uh, window shuts on the 31st, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of activity, especially for Chelsea. Um, we've still got, we mention it every week we do an episode, we've still got Danny Drinkwater on the books, I think. <laughs> Ross Barkley's still on the books. Uh, I think Baba Rahman, I'm not sure if he's been, has he gone yeah. anywhere? I don't think I so. I think he's, so. he's still on the books. Yeah. I'd probably so give him another year and then learn as well. <laughs> Yeah, so we've got to look at potentially offloading. Um, but in terms of of um, Seoul, if we, if we get him, um, will I be annoyed? Potentially, yes. But I understand the rationale. Um, I, I think in a COVID season where it's still, you know, potentially could be that you lose a lot of your players just because of the, the illness, um, you do need to probably, you know, over compensate that kind of position but um it's, it's going to be it's going to be a make or break for him I think mm-hmm. I think he, he's obviously ruffled feathers at Atletico I don't think he can really come to Chelsea and do that um you know it just it doesn't work we've seen it with players before um 
you know, we've heard stories around some of the players who have been loaned out for, for you know, numerous seasons for that reason. So I don't think he can come here and do that, but we'll have to see. Um, we'll have to see. Uh, Strip Bear says, just want the third Champions League. Mm. I'm, I'm with you as well, <laughs> 100%, um, which actually is a very good segue into our next topic, which um, after today, we'll talk about the... Um, the draw. But before we talk about the draw, um, let's talk about the awards because I think that's probably um, a, a, almost a clean sweep, if we're honest, wasn't it? Yeah, just missing the um, Rudiger Aspi as the centre back, but fair play to Ruben Dias. You know, he was probably in the group stages and then there's semis against. <laughs> I'm seeing you pull a face right now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think we were robbed. I really do. We, I think we conceded the, the least goals in the, the, the Champions League. Um, yeah, I think it was just was it three goals against yeah Krasnodar, Ren yeah. and Real Madrid. I think just three goals. Mm. I, I just remember, I just, re- I just remember watching Diaz against PSG and being amazed. But at the same time, if you bring up that stat, yeah. it is quite. Maybe I just didn't want to give it to you know all of them to Chelsea, so no, they just I have think, to make yeah. an exception somewhere. But I do agree that Rudiger Aspi it could have easily yeah. been them as well. Yeah. And yeah, Stryper just says Christensen, you know, is unlucky as well. He he had an amazing Champions League final when he came on for for Silver. Yeah. But um but overall the Mendy as well was absolutely superb in that Champions League campaign to think he was, you know, at the job center in twenty fourteen or twenty sixteen, I can't remember. Yeah. Yeah, but he's come years, a long way. Years. Yeah. He's come a very long way and he was absolutely superb for us. Um, and then, you know, we were talking about Sound, I guess, just before two of the three midfielders were Chelsea players that were nominated for the award. So it's almost like, can you even displace any of these players in that midfielder role? And Jorginho winning the overall achievement for the men's player of the season for his, probably his, camp, his Euro tournament with Italy, but also his Champions League tournament with, with Chelsea is, is remarkable. And to think maybe last summer or the summer before people wanted him out the door, which is ridiculous. Mm. Absolutely ridiculous. It's so t- um, It's taken a lot of stick as well. When yes. you think about the, yeah. and I, I mean, from a Chelsea fan base as well, not, not obviously everyone, but um, you know, a lot of the, the fan base um, at some point, you know, had an issue with him. Um, he over, he overcame that. He still came out on top and he was one of the best plays for us last season. He really was, you know, and I think that's that shows a lot of character in him as well. Yeah, Premier League top goal scorer for us as well. Yeah, I, I wasn't going to mention. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, credit to him for being, you know, top goal scorer as well. But I think, I think overall, his game's definitely changed. Um, you know, he's had to obviously adapt to the Premier League over the last couple of seasons as well. But um, he, he was just amazing. I, I, I didn't really. I, I don't know if I expected him to win the the overall player of the year. I wasn't sure if he was actually going to get that, but I'm glad he obviously did. Yeah, I, I was a bit, it's almost indicating now, you know, can he win the Ballon d'Or? You know, if he can win the UEFA men's player of the year, what says that he can't win the Ballon d'Or? And I don't know when the award is, maybe in a couple of months. Yeah. But um, he's had a superb season. And I think it's about time that, you know, players that don't necessarily get the goals or the assists or, you know, you know, the Ronaldo's or Messi's basically, you know, get the credits. I think it's about time that happened. I'm always for defenders, goalkeepers, holding midfielders to get these type of awards because, you know, it's a, it's a team effort at the end of the day and without the Jorginho's, the Kante's, the Mendy's, you don't really get that, that Champions League trophy, you know, that we had in May. So, um, really, really well deserved and Tuchel as well, you know, comes in in January, does a six-month job and gets the award. It's absolutely fantastic how he's turned our season around. So, yeah. credit to him as well. And it just shows you the quality that Tuchel has has been able to sort of pass over to the squad. Um, yeah, again, I've, I know I've mentioned it on here before, but I just remember before that Wolves game and that sort of training video that was put out, um, I think the day after he signed for us or he joined the club, there was a training video that was on uh, the fifth stand and he was just, you could tell something was going to happen last season just off the back of that and then obviously the game um, the Wolves game although we didn't win we drew but it was just a different change in in the way that we played so um, credit to Thomas Tuchel because I don't I don't think any managers potentially ever done that before turned a a season around the way that he did Um, and all the players that you know the the, um, Angolo Kante Jorginho um, Mendy for their awards as well fully deserved Um, I, I do think we should have we should have got the defender but you know, I'll take three out of the four. Uh, won't be won't be greedy. Um, 
but yeah, no, let's move over to the, the, the actual group itself, group H. Um, we managed to avoid some, some, some sort of challenging tests. I think, I think we've got a, a very nice group, um, Juventus, Zenit St. Peterburg and Malmo, uh, Zlatan's old stomping ground. Um, yeah. What's your thoughts? Tell me your thoughts. Group H for holders, which is a good sign as well. But um, but yeah, it's, um, it, it could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. It could have been PSG. It could have been Ajax. It could have been AC Milan in pot four. But at the same time, I'm looking at those those three teams. The one that stands out, obviously, being Juventus. But it's not. this is not the Juventus that we played in 2012 that had the mm. Andrea Pirlo, that had um, Gianluigi Buffon, that probably had Bonucci and Chiellini in their prime. Um, Alexandro, these all these these amazing players. I think this is a very weakened Juventus team at the moment. A tran- in a transition period, they've yeah. just got Allegri back, maybe so they could rediscover some form. There's talk of Ronaldo leaving, coming to the Premier League, which would which would be good for us because we, we don't have to play him in the Champions League, but bad for the you know the other 19 teams in in the Premier League as well. So um, that's kind of a, a possibility that he he won't face Chelsea in the Champions League which would be even it would be good for us they just signed Locatelli a very good player who was impressive mm-hmm. at the Euros but at the same time I'm looking at our squad and I still think we should you know we should beat them home and away I think but then um, Zenit trips to Russia are never easy in the in the no, Champions no, League right. yeah. I know yeah, when we Shakhtar or, or you know in Ukraine or all these Russian teams I'm thinking even I know we beat them 4-0 last season in Krasnodar when we went we travelled to Russia but I just remember that um, that first half being very, very tricky and quite, you know, quite sloppy. And then obviously you have to come back on a, a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night and have another game of Premier League on on a Saturday or a Sunday. Good thing now is I think I read that if you have a Wednesday Champions League fixture, they won't give you the 12.45 kickoff yeah. on a 12.30 kickoff on a Saturday, which is good news for us. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think again, we should be beating Zenit. Um quite funny how it was Ivanovic doing the draw and he drew Chelsea and Zenit his two old teams yeah. <laughs> and then Malmo last team again um pot four team I think we played him in the Europa League in 2019 um beat them home and away I think 2-1 and 3-0 yeah. it was again I think they're the team that we should be getting the six points guaranteed from them but um but no I think it's um as I said it could have been a lot worse and at the same time it could have been a lot easier so I'll take mm. this group ha- happily yeah and i think we you know i looked at the group um and and i did kind of think oh Ju- you know juventus and then like you've just mentioned it isn't the juventus that we, we're aware of and you know if they lose Ronaldo, i think they've still got one quadrado actually as well I'm sure they've still got one quadrado yeah. uh, right yeah. yeah uh gosh i have flashbacks when the uh he was at stanford bridge but um yeah season. <laughs> yeah it was yeah the less said, the better. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, you know, it's a good group. I think I agree with you. I think I look at the group, Juventus, obviously a tricky, you know, at the, the three, they're the trickiest. I think um, you mentioned, obviously going to Russia, it's always going to be difficult. If there's fans in the stadium, it's going to be double difficult because just the volume of noise that they can generate over there, um, the intimidation of that kind of atmosphere um, that you, you find in those kind of European nights over there. So I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be, comfortable or it should be comfortable for us but i do think um yeah you know we get out of that group we've just got to progress and and, and you know last season i've mentioned on, on many podcasts um over the summer no one had us down to in the champions league last season and I, I i like that i like the fact that we are technically again probably going to be the underdogs i know we've won it last season but you look at um psg for instance they must be front runners to to win that now um so yeah, you know, I'm I'm happy with the group. I think it's a it's a good group as well. Um so we'll have to see how we get on, but yeah, as long as we get out of the group, I'll be happy. I'll be very surprised if we don't. Yeah. I will vi- we're visiting the stadium of the final in the groups as well, being because it's in it's in Zenit St. Petersburg. So um yeah. be quite almost like an 2012 style at Omen, you know, but, but yeah, you I think like your, you do like that. I do like my omens, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like how we played um it's not probably not a good omen, but we played Juventus the following season after winning in 2012, and um, we didn't make it past the group stage. So yeah. I think I won't mention that. <laughs> but yeah, no, we, we should be making this group. I'll be very surprised if we don't top it. 
And even if we, as we found out last season, if you, you top it or you come second, sometimes, you know, you're better off coming second nowadays. So, um, so yeah, either way, I'm happy. And I think we should be comfortable our way out of this group, for sure. Yeah. If, if we did progress and let's say we super fast forward to the, to the final, um, Man City are there, PSG are waiting in the wings. Uh, um, kind of stealing the question that I've just kind of put up um, but I'm, I'm remixing the question a bit so out of Man City or PSG if you had to face one in the final Messi, this is like, Neymar <laughs> Mbappe potentially if he stays he doesn't go to Real Madrid but if he's there or City without Harry Kane Ronaldo. potentially Ronaldo who, who would you rather face in the final this is like this is the same question we got last year when we had the semi-final between uh, PSG and <laughs> yeah. City. I'm going to say City again. We yeah. we know what Guardiola is like in these big games. You know, he overcomplicates yeah. things. He'll play probably Jack Grealish as a, I don't know, a false nine or something ridiculous like that. And I think, I think PSG on their day and if they get all their players performing like they should, Pochettino manages to do that because I know they, they're all very big egos. And even I think if Mbappe leaves, they'll probably replace him with someone like Richarlison, who probably even excel even more than he has at Everton. Then they can be a very, very scary team to face. And I think we're going to see that in their in their group, which um, they were playing City, and I'm not sure who the other teams are. Um, was it Leipzig? I can't remember. Yeah, I but, can't um, remember. But I think they've got a, a relatively yeah cushy group as well. No, it's, it's quite hard to look past. I know maybe we're still kind of thinking on the back end of last season, but Chelsea, City, PSG for me are the three teams that really stand out again this year. Bayern and Liverpool, you don't really know of their form. Same with United, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's hard to look past Chelsea, City and PSG once again. Yeah, Messi can't score against Chelsea. He doesn't really score against many English. I think he's scored against Liverpool once, maybe twice. I think, yeah, he scored against Liverpool. He did score against us twice at the new Camp, put it between Courtois' legs in the first minutes, I think. But um, yeah. I th- he might have scored when against come, Arsenal a few times. Yeah, oh, we don't, we don't, we they, don't they, care. They don't really matter, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't care about Arsenal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's um, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm looking forward to it as well. Even more so, we are champions of Europe, so we do need to put on a really good performance every single game up until the final, which we're going to reach as well. So um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, and as I said, congratulations, obviously, to all the, the players that got their awards because they definitely deserve that. Um, all of them, you know, it was it, even, um, well, obviously, it's a Chelsea podcast, but Haaland receiving his mm. his awards as well. Um, you know, I thought he's, it, I'd love to have seen him at uh, Chelsea, but I don't know if you read about the, um, the, agent the, the wage demand and the agent yeah. fee recently. So it made sense, you know, I, I think once we had any sort of discussions with them, if we did, that would have been off the table straight away. I don't think we would have ever really entertained it at all. Yeah. And I'm, I think now that we've got Lukaku playing and scoring, it's almost quickly forgotten as well. Yeah. yeah. We shall see. We shall see. But moving over to Saturday, half five, my heart's already in my stomach. Um, this is the game that I generally do feel physically sick before. Um kick off mainly because I live in Liverpool and it's the worst thing ever if Liverpool beat Chelsea so let's start with um, how do you reckon we're going to get on at Anfield it's really really hard to say because we've both won our opening two games I think we've been more tested than Liverpool in the opponents we've played in Palace and Arsenal Whereas Liverpool probably couldn't have asked for an easier draw. I mean, easier opening two games, Norwich away and Burnley at home, 3-0 and 2-0, five goals like us. But I think this is not the same Liverpool that had that kind of you know spirit in the squad when they, they won the Premier League in 2020. I do think you know Salah, Firmino, Mane aren't the same brilliant trio that they were two or three years ago, maybe. And at the same time, we're not we're a better team than we were last season and the season before and the season maybe even before that. So I think defensively, we've looked so comfortable. We never really looked like we're going to concede a goal. We're playing better opponents on Saturday in Liverpool. They've got a better defence than they had last season with Van Dijk back fit now. Even their, their left back, who's um, 
right back, sorry, who's replaced um no left back, I think. Um who's replaced yeah, Robertson, um, Simicast. Yeah. He's looked he's looked yeah, decent yeah. since he's come in. And even Harvey Elliott, who's played who played against Bar- 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 Burnley, looked um very decent as well. So they and you know Klopp's a very good manager. I think it was, you know, last season was harsh on him with the injuries he had and the situation and Anfield is that stadium that does it does need its fans. I know that there is talk that they just sing at the, at the beginning and then they, they stay quiet for the whole game, but it's still quite an intimidating ground to go to. I know that. And as you said, it's one of those fixtures that makes you feel a bit sick before kickoff because you know, we know how the Liverpool fans are more for you around the city, but even on Twitter, you know, they're, they're, they're very noisy and they like me, you know, bringing up old facts or whatever. And, but I'm kind of weirdly confident I want to say I take a draw, but at the same time, given how we've played, there's nothing I say we can't take the three points. There's nothing that can't say that Lukaku won't score again. I think Havertz and Werner as well have goals in them this season. So I'm, I'm confident. I'm, I'm confident as well. More confident than I was for any Liverpool fixture in the last maybe four or five years. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree. I think... <laughs> I look at Liverpool and, um, you know, I've, I watch both their, their opening fixtures and I, I just don't think they're a squad that is at full fitness. You know, you look at Van Dijk, that is going to take, you know, six, seven weeks for him, a couple of weeks more to to get to his full potential. I feel like they've potentially rushed him back to to be ready for the season because I think before, before the season, or during the Euros, there was talk that he wasn't going to make the... the um, first month of the Premier League. So I feel like they've rushed him back. Um, he looks, he still looks, I mean, he's a, he's a world-class defender, so he still looks brilliant. But I just think against the Lukaku, who is, you know, raring to go, he's like a, you know, he's like a tiger in a cage waiting to be un- unleashed. Um, you know, is he going to be able to contain him as well? I, I don't think so. I think tactically watching... Um, Tuchel, the way he, he his his tactics are, I think he'll I think he'll outsmart Klopp. I really do. I think he'll on the day. I think Tuchel knows how to preempt what Klopp is probably potentially thinking already. Same way we did in the Champions League final. Um, I think he'll I think he'll do that. I look at Liverpool and I see a lot of weakness. Um, this is going to come back to haunt me, I know, when we do the, the next episode. So I'm going to just get it out there now. But I think they are weak, you know. And I, when I say weak, I don't mean in a strength way. I mean in a squad depth. Um, you know, I think they've just lost Shakiri for 12 million. Um, they're still scouring around to try and find um, players to replace him. And I think Fabinho, Fabinho may not be in contention. He may still be um, on compassionate leave. He might be back, I'm not sure. But Harvey Elliott had a good game um, at the weekend, but is he going to be able to, to do that against Chelsea? I don't think so. Um, I, I also think using Trent as the, another weakness, we'll, we'll be able to capitalise similar to how we did against Arsenal. Trent likes to get forward. Um, you know, he likes to, to be that sort of midfield right wing back. You know, he doesn't really like to defend. There's that talk that he can't defend as well. So I, I think Alonso will play. Reese James will play and I think they will have an, a, a field a field day running down the wing and Lakaku will be waiting for for every ball that comes into that box and I think it'll be Joel Matip I don't, I don't think Gomez will be will be starting so I think it'd be Matip and Van Dijk at the back Van Dijk yes he, he may be able to contain Lakaku but for 90 minutes I don't think he will um defensively as you mentioned for us you know I feel like we go into games now and I'm confident we can keep a clean sheet. I'm really confident we can keep clean sheets. And I think I haven't been able to say that for, for many seasons, even under, you know, a Conte or a Sarri. Um, you know, there's always been that m- sort of idea that we might concede. Maybe that's because of the goalkeeper. I'm not sure. But I'd look at the game and I just think it's a perfect opportunity to get this type of fixture out of the way. Three games into a season, international break coming up straight after that as well. I think it's a brilliant time. I'd rather play them this side of the international um fixtures as opposed to after them so I think it's a it's a brilliant time to play them um they, they don't look fully fit and yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna go for I like to do my predictions so I'm gonna go for uh I'm gonna go for 2-0 I'm gonna go for 2-0 again uh, I can't see them scoring as you mentioned Mane, Salah they don't really again you know they don't look fully fit to me 
So, yeah, maybe Jota. If, in fact, no, I'll say 2-1 because I do think Jota looks on fire. Yeah. Um, now that you've mentioned kind of Tuchel and how he lines up against, you know, the bigger teams, and I think he will outsmart Klopp for sure. And, um, you know, we saw it last season against the big teams. We kept clean sheets, whether it was Spurs away, Liverpool away, City in the Champions League final. Real Madrid at home, we keep these big clean sheets and in these type big games and um, Tuchel more often than not, you know, knows which team to field for these type of games. So um, I'm going to go with your first prediction before we change your mind. I think 2-0. I think it'll be very similar to, to the game at the Emirates. We'll have lots of chances, maybe obviously less than, um, than Arsenal because they are better defensively. I think we'll win 2-0. Another Lukaku goal. And let's go with a Jorginho penalty, I think. Oh, Georgine. Yeah. Well, in fact, we haven't mentioned who the ref is, actually. I'll leave oh. that one to you. <laughs> let, let, uh, let me say 2 1, actually. 2 1 to Chelsea in that case. Yeah. Uh, I think we definitely. Yeah. yeah. If there's going to be a penalty, it's not going to be for Chelsea. I can I tell you. I completely that. forgot about that. Yeah. I actually forget Georgine yeah. having a penalty. It will be a, a Salah penalty. Salah. And maybe a, a, an Alonso free kick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I agree. With you. I do agree with you. I think, um, and I know I've, I've definitely said it before that going to Anfield, it, it does. It's such a. It has its moments where it's quiet. Obviously, when the game's kicking off, it's like you know, it, it's the best thing ever. But there are there is moments where it's quiet, but it's still an intimidating ground to go to. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a ground that I'm sure there'll be full voice um, on Saturday as well it's Chelsea you know we have brilliant games we've got that sort of rivalry if you want to call it that um, with Liverpool um, it take, takes me back to those Champions League sort of games uh, is it John, John Arnorisa I think um, yeah that was a that was a special game but yeah I think we've got you know we've got the history there behind it and um, if, I'm, if I remember correctly I think it was Ben, ben Te- was it Benteke who scored a late a couple of equalizer, seasons ago, equaliser was it? Equaliser. He did when yeah. Hazard scored that wonder goal, but that yeah. game almost was like we were fighting for ten, was, ninth spot or something like that. Yeah, but, it was the end of the season, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, but our, our game last season when Mason Mount scored was our, our first victory at Anfield in the Premier League since 2014. So that was our first victory in the kind of the Klopp era of Liverpool mm. in the Premier League last season when Mount scored in the 1-0 win. So that we do have the really best cool of records there. It was a brilliant goal, but... I think Hazard's got some even better goals in at Anfield in the last couple of years as well. So, um, so yeah, I think it kind of just—it's almost which which players step up more in a day, I suppose. Whether it be yeah. a Lukaku or a Salah, that can make a difference as well because we know what Salah's like on his day because he's very, very good. And he scored against. Um, he scored a brilliant goal against us. At he did. Anfield, he did. Yeah. With his left foot from the side. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like you need your big players to perform on a, on an away trip to Anfield for sure. If not, yeah. it's kind of, you know, you're not, you forget the three points if they, they don't show up, you know, offensively and defensively, you need all your, your whole team to perform. But, um, but yeah, I'll stick with 2-1 for Chelsea. Yeah. Despite the referee yeah. being Anthony Taylor. <laughs> I was going to wait for you to mention his name. Uh, it's like name. Voldemort, I don't want to mention his name. <laughs> I'm going to ask you uh, the, the question down there that penalties um, should be Lukaku. Do, do, do you think in the season where Jorginho has a brilliant penalty conversion rate, we should give an opportunity to Lukaku for confidence um, reasons. Um, do, do you think we should potentially change? I think that's a conversation that they should have between the two of them on the training ground. I think mm-hmm. they should decide who's going to be the penalty taker for the season. I love Jorginho's penalties and I hate Jorginho's penalties at the same time. You know, you think, <laughs> I'm they, glad they you followed the offer. Yeah. <laughs> they, play, they play over your heart. Like even the one in the Super Cup final, you know, ice yeah. in his veins, how he's just so cool, you know, stepping up. And then he just puts it, you know, half a meter away from the goalkeeper, but somehow the goalkeeper just, you know, drops to his knees to the other side. And, but um, then we've seen a few of them being, you know, got saved last season. Mm. At the same time, he scored, he scored many more, whereas Lukaku, I'm sure, will just be rifling them in the corner or the top of the net. So just for maybe a, you know, a bit of, to get the stats up as well for Lukaku, if he wants to be top goal scorer of the Prem, I wouldn't mind having yeah. him on penalty duty as well, which could be, if you want to have, have him, um, if you want to have a 20 goal you know, season, you need to be taking penalties for your club as well, I feel. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a brilliant, um, you know, dilemma to have. It is, <laughs> you know, yeah. We, did, we, didn't, we didn't have that last season. So, I, I think it's, um, it's a re- really good question and I'm sure 
we may see that we might actually see Lukaku. St- I, does he, I don't know if he took them for uh, Inter Milan. I'm not sure. I feel like them. he did because I remember watching a, um, a derby AC and an Inter, yeah, and I think did, Lukaku yeah. did score one. But um, even Aspi, I'd love to see Aspi on penalties. Oh, he's been absolutely. Just, I was, every time he's taken one, I just remember it kind of going in the roof of the net and like smashing it in the it right corner. Alonso. I, mean, I, I think I trust yeah. Alonso. We, we've had, we, we, in, we had some good takers in that shootout um, against yeah. Villarreal. So I'm kind of a bit more confident going into shootouts at the moment than maybe a, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I just want to wrap up shortly. Um, but what I do want to ask you, um, I don't know if you got to see Gareth Southgate's press conference mm-hmm. earlier. Um, his reasoning for leaving Ben Chilwell out was the fact that he hasn't played any football since the Champions League um, final. and. I can't remember if um, Jesse Lingard has. That's a good point. That's no, a very good he, point. He, he may have played some preseason, I think, for, for Man United. And I know he came on as a sub against whoever United played at the weekend. I can't remember now. But I just think, is it a case that there's something... Because he didn't use him for the Euros. I don't no, think either, he did didn't he? start so, a single game at the Euros, did yeah. he? So I'm, I'm, now I'm thinking, is it a case that Alonso is obviously playing first fiddle at Chelsea is Chilwell's um, not sort of his position in in Chelsea or for England, but is it kind of at risk that he might drop down the pecking order? Um, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird thing not to um, to even select him. There's three games to to play for for England. I think it's Poland, Andorra, and I can't remember the third. Hung, 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 Hungary, Hungary. Yeah. yeah. So there's three games to play in, a, in over a seven day period wouldn't it be a brilliant time to, to potentially give him that that chance to build a bit of fitness? And I'm sure Chelsea would love that as well. But do you think he's, he's in jeopardy of maybe losing his England position as left back? Um, there's always that possibility in the England squad. You're never kind of assured to be called up. And we saw that, you know, with transform last season, he obviously got injured right before the Euros, yeah. but there was, you know, talk of him not getting called up to the England squad. And he could be similar with Chilwell. Um, at the same time, I'm really disappointed that he's not in the England squad. But when you look at Alonso's form, it's kind of understandable why he's not being able, he hasn't been able to start the game yet for Chelsea. And he was among that amongst that batch of players that came a bit later the preseason because of his involvement in the until the final with England. So um I don't think I think he will find a way to get back into the team for sure. Whether it be it will starting with Chelsea, then obviously England. He was vital in that Champions League final. We know on his day that he's an absolutely brilliant player, left back and left wing back. And as we mentioned before, you know, why we maybe bring in a Sal Nagas into the team is because we've got a congested fixture list. We've got lots of games. There could be a COVID outbreak. And also we sent Emerson out on loan to Lyon, which we haven't spoken about as well. So um, I think they'll probably play, you know, whether it be a Champions League group stage game or a cup game, but they'll definitely, you know, switch around between Alonso and Chilwell. And I would be very, very surprised if Chilwell's not in the England squad come mm. the World Cup in Qatar next winter. So I think his place is, at the moment, you know, it's probably at risk, but on the long term, it probably won't be. Yeah, I agree. I think he's, I think he's still relatively young as well. You know, he's got a lot of years ahead of him, a lot of international tournaments ahead of him as well. Um, and I don't think he's, he's, I think the way that Tuchel is going to be playing this team, this, this squad this season, there is going to be some rotation and I, I Again, you know, he did it last season. We've seen on the right side with Aspie playing um, right wing back at, at times. Callum Hudson-Odoi playing right wing back at times. Reese James there as well. Uh, I think Pulisic played either left yeah. or right, I think, at one point as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, swapping around and rotation as well. So he'll get his opportunities. I just think the um, that reasoning behind it was a bit mm. sort of, um, you know... He yeah, after, football, yeah. after you mentioned the Lingard call up, I do find it a little strange, actually. Right? Yeah, and also, also, I, I, I mean, I'll have to double check, but I'm assuming Harry Kane's on on that. That uh... <laughs> I probably don't even when I see Harry Harry Kane's name, it almost just feels like it's part of the you know the the team sheet already. So I kind of choose to yeah. ignore it, but I think it must be there. I'd be very surprised so if, if Harry wasn't. Kane's on there. Who hasn't? Kicked, he's kicked a ball. Obviously, he's kicked a ball tonight. I think um, for, for Spurs. But prior to the announcement of the squad, he had only played uh, a couple of minutes against Wolves at the weekend. So it just doesn't seem mm. like a valid reason for me. But 
you know, he's the manager, you know, he knows best he goes to a final as well. So, you know, maybe I'm just a guy in a, 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 with a microphone that doesn't really know much, but um, two players that are in the, the, uh, the, the England squad is Reese James and Mason Mount. So it's good to have a bit of, um, you know, Chelsea sort of influence in the England squad there as well. Yeah. Brilliant players. Um, Southgate clearly really rates the two of them. Um, we, I mean, we saw, we didn't see much of Reese James at the Euros, but we saw we saw what he's capable of doing against Arsenal, right back or right wing back. And um, again, two players that I think will have a huge impact on on the England squad in the coming years. And yeah. um, with three games now in the international break, I think whether it be Trippier or or, um, or Walker or, or, or Rhys James, I think all of them will somehow get involved and get game time. But if it means them not getting injured, I'm not too fast really as well. So... Yeah, that was going to be my other question because mm-hmm. obviously seven games, seven days, three games, someone, someone's club's going to take a, a massive hit when it comes to injuries. Um, I also read as well um, around the Premier League and clubs announcing that uh, players who will be travelling to red-listed countries, mm-hmm. they won't be released. So I'm assuming for us that will be potentially um, just Thiago Silva. Uh, I'd, I'd maybe I'm trying to think maybe Mendy or Senegal would that be red list I'm, I'm not too sure I don't sure. think it is no, sure. okay. well it's changed today actually so it might okay. have actually changed again I think there was a, a different list um, that included um, Thailand and other mm-hmm. places but I think Brazil were due to play Argentina so I think for us at the moment I think it's just Thiago Silva um, who would have been at risk anyway so kind of good news for us um, mm-hmm. to end the podcast on but um Looking forward to obviously Liverpool, happy with our Champions League group. I think by the time we record again, potentially we'll have Kunde, maybe Sol Nagas as well. And maybe sort of a surprise we might get we might get Cristiano Ronaldo. Who, who knows? <laughs> you, know, you never know. Yeah, um, yeah we, we might get someone else. So it's, you know, we, we don't know, do we? I think it's uh, Tuesday that the window shuts, isn't it? Must be, I think, 31st of August, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting. So, yeah, brilliant episode. And for those who, well, I'm going to shout out Strip Bear, who's been in the comments for the whole duration of this, um, who's been our cheerleader today. So, yeah, thank you very much for joining us. But for anyone who's um, listening on Apple or Spotify, um, as I said at the start of this episode, you can follow us on Twitter at From the Shed End. That's all one word. And Instagram is at from the shed end with underscore between each of the words. So get following, interact with us on there as well. And don't forget YouTube. We really need those YouTube subscribers to to start jumping up. So um, search for us on YouTube from the shed end, like, and subscribe, Um, drop some comments as well. Let us know what you think um, about what we've discussed today as well. So this has been episode 20. Seems like we've been doing them for, forever but episode 20 of from the shed end podcast uh, myself theo and t dot thanks for joining us <laughs>